Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. We're also grateful to those of you who offer member support, for which I'm pleased to offer in return member-only content curated with our authors and myself. You can find out more about this member-only content and how you can help authors give voice to their written words at charlottereaderspodcast.com. When Landis is not getting under the cover at bookstores, at events, and on the road, he does it in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. But enough with the prologue. Let's get under the covers. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners, today on the Under the Covers episode, I'm with M.L. Huey. Uh, that's Michael uh, to me for today. We're at the uh, Bookmarks uh, bookstore here in Winston-Salem. Uh, he's the author of the book Spitfire. Uh, Michael, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. And you're from this area, right? I am a Winston-Salem native. Yeah, a deacon, right? Yeah, you went to. Yeah. I am a deacon, a I'm proud a, demon deacon. Demon deacon. That's great. So um, you're a writer and a teacher, and an actor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How do you combine all those things? Well, if you're an actor, you've got to have another way to make a living, too, uh, <laughs> if you live in North Carolina, Same, same thing as if you're a writer, too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I'm a adjunct theater professor and uh, now novelist. Yeah, that's great. Now, you said you've uh, worked 10 years as a features journalist. Uh, you've, you've written plays. You're Actually, you've got an Actors Equity Association card, I guess. Is yes, right? yep. Yeah, does that do you any good? I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an acting union, and so it means you're eligible to, you know, uh, audition for certain roles and work in certain theaters, mm. and they have to pay you a certain amount of money. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, England, and because uh, of your book Spitfire, you say, uh, like your protagonist Livy Nash, <laughs> you were going to talk about. Who, who, that you love the northwest of England, yes. and, and you have a Yanks appreciation for a good <laughs> Lancashire hot pot. Yep. What is that? Uh, it's basically a casserole, okay. uh, meat casserole. Uh, in Lancashire, especially this one town where uh, I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, the hot pot, it's kind of like a festival thing, mm. so it's an annual thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So is it, I mean, is it vegetables? Is it meat? Is it yeah, a combination meat, of both? Meat and yeah. vegetables, yeah. And, and when, in, when you're in that cold northwest part of England, it probably yeah, tastes warms pretty up. good. Yeah, yep. All right. All right. Well, look, um, we're going to be, uh, by the way, welcome to the show. Thank yeah, you very yeah, much. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Welcome to Bookmarks. It's a nice bookstore. It yeah, is a yeah. fantastic <laughs> bookstore. We're, we're hiding in the back corner here. So listeners, if you hear some people talking, they're just interested in buying books, uh, Let's talk a minute before we get under the covers, Michael, about the book cover itself for Spitfire. It says, Spitfire, a Livy Nash mystery, your first debut novel. Right? Yes, it is, right. yes. And you've got, uh, let's, let's, you know, they can't see this cover, but uh, how about describing it for our listeners? 
Well, um, the cover is beautiful, and um, it is a, sort of a silhouette of a woman's face, mm. and uh, that's intentional. There's a thing now uh, in in book covers that where you see the back of the protagonist, right. so you don't see her face, and I think they wanted to get away from that. And in the silhouette of her face is a um, sort of sepia version uh, of the skyline of Paris yeah. with an RAF Spitfire flying uh, near the Eiffel Tower. Um, having said that, I don't want anyone to think that this is an aviation story. Um, we're using Spitfire as it relates to uh, the somewhat derogatory name for a woman. Yeah. So, yeah. So it is. I mean, you see the silhouette, you see the darkened skies, you see the Eiffel Tower. There's Paris beneath this Spitfire that's flying. And, and you're thinking right off, you know, this looks like the kind of book that uh, if you if you enjoy a good World War II yes. book, you know, that you're going to find that uh, here. Yes. A um, lot of good praise for the book. Congratulations on that. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. It's a fast-paced uh, book. I can tell you that, listeners, because— uh, I was preparing for this, and I had like uh, six books to read in about a week, and I can't do that all the time. I read two or three chapters, but I just stayed up all night and read this one. <laughs> it God was great. bless you. It was great. <laughs> we'll be right back. In the meantime, do you love to read? You might want to check out what's new at Warren Publishing, our episode sponsor today. Warren Publishing is a premier hybrid publisher since 1988 right here in the Charlotte community. They offer books for every reader. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or at their website, warrenpublishing.net, to learn more about new titles, book events, and author workshops. Warren Publishing, books done wisely. If you like our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, please consider leaving a short written review about Charlotte Reader's podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you leave a review, it helps authors reach more listeners. You can keep up with news about the show and member-only content for our member supporters by joining our email list. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join the list, we will give you a free ebook written by me. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. You ready to get under the covers? Yes. All right, let's get under the covers. Uh, Spitfire. Let's talk about the title a second. Okay. Uh, well, as I said, Spitfire, this refers to uh, uh, not the plane or the uh, super cool British um, uh, sports car of the 60s and 70s, but uh, as it relates to a woman. Um, uh, and this is somewhat based, the whole book is based on a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Livy was a spy during World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a number of women who were recruited uh, and served as spies behind enemy lines. Uh, and it's based on specifically one woman, Nancy Wake, who had such a reputation among the Germans that she was known as the White Mouse. Mm. So when it came, I thought, you know, Livy has um, a formidable reputation as well, and they've decided to call her Spitfire after mm. the plane, uh, which is a compliment, a compliment because yeah. the RAF Spitfire was yeah. Uh, yeah. arguably won the Battle of Britain. And she did some pretty bold things in the book. She, at one point in the book, she walks into a German prison and, <laughs> and has pulls somebody out of there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretending to be someone else as she did. Which is it. also based on a true story. That's based on a true real story. woman, yeah, 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 who did that, yeah. yeah. Something similar, yeah. There's this podcast out there, I went to a live version of it called Nevertheless, She Existed. And, of course, it's about women of history, and they did a spy version. She might have even been one of the ones featured 
you know, in, in that podcast, uh, it's, it's about the women that made a difference. Yeah. And one of the things I found interesting when I was reading the book is how you open the book after the war is over, yeah. right? And she is in a low place, and you're going to read about some of that at, at the, in a few minutes here. She's in a low place because she had such excitement, such adrenaline-filled life while she's fighting yes. this war, and she comes back. And she's what, like a copy editor for a, a third-rate newspaper? Very much so, yeah. And she's treated like pretty much that, too. Yeah, yeah. Doormat, right? Yeah, very she, much so. She's just a woman, right? Right. At that point in time. Men rule, right? They make all the decisions. And so immediately you're starting to pull for her, right? Right, I hope so. You want her to take, take somebody out <laughs> early on in the book. All right, so let, let's, let's set the timing here because about the book itself, um, it's the day of the London Victory Celebrations in 1946. The war is over. Former spy Livy Nash is celebrating with her third drink before noon, right? Mm-hmm. She went to war to kill Nazis. She dropped behind enemy lines as a courier. She quickly became one of the toughest agents in France. But her war ended with betrayal and the execution of the man she loved. Pretty good catchy start there, right? Uh, yeah. I think so. Now let's talk about <laughs> who she meets. Uh, you're going to read about this, yes. but let's talk about the man that uh, she's going to meet in this read that you do here. People have heard of him, right? I hope so. How have they heard of him? Uh, well, she meets Ian Fleming, mm-hmm. uh, the man who wrote the James Bond novels. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the most influential thriller writers of all time, really. Yeah. And I have to, and when I saw that, I started thinking to myself, okay, was Ian Fleming really involved in this way as you portrayed him in this book. Talk about that a second. Uh, yeah, he was. This is very much based on what Fleming actually did. He was in naval intelligence during the war uh, as a planner, but then after the war he went back to journalism, which was his field, and he uh, ran foreign correspondence for the London Sunday Times, and Fleming himself said that some of those correspondents were spies. Mm. Um, I also came across this wonderful uh, tidbit of information that in his office he had a framed map of the world with little twinkling lights in the capitals of all these countries where he had correspondence. You put that in the book. I did. And when I saw that, I thought, (laughs) oh, my gosh, he's more like M from the Bond novels. So that's part of the fun is also playing on Fleming's problematic reputation with women and how women are sort of represented in the Bond novels, as well as his own sort of English upper-class privilege, opposite a character like Livy, who is far from being a Bond girl, or even Mm -hmm. Jane Bond, Mm -hmm. for that matter. Mm -hmm. She's working class, she's direct, she's very tough. Uh, So the sort of, their relationship is kind of influenced by, I guess, those gender politics Mm -hmm. as well, and that's Mm -hmm. what made it also interesting for me to write. It didn't really register until just now, but I, I, you know, the the attractive... Uh, assistant that Ian had. So I'm now thinking Money Penny, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there yeah. there are um, yeah. Bond Easter eggs throughout yeah. if you know yeah. Bond. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. and uh, also a few people I uh, know through college. Their their names are in here. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's good. It's always fun. I did that in my books too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Drop drop them in to see if they exactly. actually read their, read your book. Right. Yeah. I'm, they, I'm hoping some of they, the people are not reading this they, book. Well, though. they they tell you read your book and so well, did you did you catch your name there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's interesting. All right, well, uh, so we got, uh, let's do this. I'd like to introduce uh, the audience here to the characters uh, with, a, with a read from you. Okay. Uh, and so you've got a little section here. It's, and always, it's always great to start, you know, where? At the beginning of the book, because that's where you try to pull people in, right? Yeah. And so you're going to have a little, just set this up for us, if you would, because uh, we set the date in Chapter 1. It's London, June 1946. Uh, 
Livy Nash is uh, she's been drinking a little bit, right? It's been a bad day. Everyone, yeah. there's a, the king is having a parade on the Strand. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in a pub drinking mm-hmm. alone when someone suddenly shows up. Yeah, and just to set it up even further, um, she had gone to a ceremony, right? So she yes. was trying to to honor. Uh, that was honoring uh, one of the male spies that she had been in league with. Uh, the man she loved, yeah, yeah, who was receiving a George Cross posthumously. Because he was killed. Right, yeah. and uh, and she's turned away from the ceremony at the palace yeah. because um, uh, they're afraid she's going to cause a, a scene. And because his wife is actually accepting His wife the is there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. And so she's now in a bar drinking because she's, she's yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. take it away. Livy's mind raced through all the possible angles. A man walks into a pub, finds a lone woman drinking, and manufactures a job that just happens to be in her line of work, all in an attempt to seduce her? But what else could it be? Newspaper work? No one even remotely familiar with her proofreading job would ever consider giving her a promotion, much less track her down in a pub and dangle foreign correspondent for the Sunday Times in front of her sloshed nose. This might rank as one of the most elaborate flirtations in history— or it might be something else entirely. Uh, Gray's Road. Uh, that's right. We have a modest office there. The man swirled the ice in his glass lazily. Calm as you please. Hmm, not a policeman either, she reckoned. Far too sophisticated. Like he owns the world, this one. Had her landlord sick someone on her? No. Tufts who collected rent didn't pronounce their vowels like the Patricia O'Toole's of the world. I know the area, she said, finally. Nothing about this felt right to her, but that's precisely what made it intriguing. Excellent. Uh, shall we say around two, then? Livy took another drink. If I can get away from work? <laughs> I'm sure you can manufacture some excuse. Oh, and I'd uh, suggest you clean up a bit before tomorrow. You're about to step up in the world, Miss Nash. The man downed the last sip of his drink and turned to go. You there? Livy called to his back. The stranger turned. How'd you find me? His wide mouth dropped down a bit, as if he was disappointed she'd had to ask. I'm a journalist. We ask questions. Then he stepped out into the street, and the pub returned to its dark silence. An interview for a new job, just like that. She wasn't a writer. If this bloke knew enough to find her in the pub, then he obviously knew that as well. Whoever he was. She looked down at what he'd handed her. The simple printing matched the unadorned card. It read, Kemsley News Group, Mercury Service. Get it first, but get it right. Foreign manager, Ian Fleming. <laughs> hey, Michael, good, good work on the accents there. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> You've been practicing that? <laughs> or is that coming yeah, I'm an actress. That's part of do. what we do, you know. <laughs> that's, you do, so that's great. And uh, so is there going to be a part for you someday playing Ian Fleming? Wouldn't you like to do that? That would be pretty great, yeah. yeah. I think there might be some people who are a little bit better than that than me, though, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Ian Fleming, he comes. Uh, all of a sudden now she's got an opportunity, but she's not sure about it, right? Because, right. Uh, but, it, but anything could be better than where she is at the moment. Right, right. And then she goes into this uh, meeting, and he makes a proposition to her. And what's the proposition? And the proposition is... Uh, the traitor who killed the man that she loved uh, has um, in charge of this vast spy network during the war. Uh, the spy network is still in place. 
and is open to the highest bidder. So Livy's given the job to go and meet with him and try to arrange for the British to receive the list of names of the people in the spy network. Livy, though, has vengeance on her mind. Right, right. Um, so that is, she's torn during this. Uh, she also runs into two other uh, spies, an American, whom she sort of has a uh, somewhat romantic encounter with, and an older, um, charming Russian spy. So she is um, asking herself constantly, who can I trust? Mm. So most of this book is set uh, in, in Paris, yes. right? And uh, you've got uh, England sort of as the background, London specifically. Yes. Um, how did you acquire your knowledge of these settings to kind of you know, enrich them in the book here? Well, I, I've been to both London and Paris. Yeah, and uh, Montmartre figures, too, in the book. Montmartre, the, am I pronouncing that correctly? Montmartre? Uh, Montmartre, yeah, Montmartre. Yeah, Mont- the, Montmartre. Yeah, 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 the <laughs> part of Paris, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think a big scene takes place in there. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the... Um, yeah, I've been to both those cities, but never in 1946, obviously. Sure. Yeah. So uh, uh, most of the research is from books, uh, Google, uh, also films. I mean, films yeah. is a way you can go back in time. But my best and coolest research uh, really came late in the process because uh, about two years ago, I happened to meet a guy here in Winston-Salem who is a French veteran of World War II. Oh, wow. Uh, he's 99 and a uh, kind of miracle of nature 99. Uh, his name is Andre Rocher. His wife was in um, the French Resistance mm-hmm. while he escaped France and served in the war. So when I needed to find out where would someone use a telephone on the streets of Paris in 1946, mm-hmm. I would email Andre. Andre, what would he do? You know, so um, uh, that's uh, another So he, so he, actually, he actually supplied you with some antidotes that you were able to use in the book? Yeah. Absolutely. There's a whole section where Livy goes to a, uh, not a cafe, but a restaurant. Uh, <clears throat> And I wanted to have her eat a specific thing. Uh, and he said, uh, I wanted to have her, I think she eats uh, uh, base. And uh, he said, well, that's only in the south of France, from Marseille. <laughs> okay. So I've had the, the, the proprietor of the restaurant yeah. is from Marseille. So, yeah. and, and there's a reference to Andre in it as well. So. All right, well, we're kind of already diving into the writing life here, so let's just keep that going. I have a little writing life segment. Uh, what do you find most challenging about writing this book? going to the computer and typing words. And I, that, I do not mean that in a sarcastic way at all. Right, yeah. uh, but as a writer, uh, I feel like I think other writers may have the same problem as well. Procrastination is mm-hmm. your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I need to do some more research. Right, right. Oh, maybe this idea isn't yeah. perfect. Yeah. And eventually you've got to just put that away and go, so let's dive in. So how long did you research the book before you... Stop procrastinating. <laughs> uh, maybe a couple of months. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the research along the way during the drafts. Right. Uh, routine. Did you have a routine through this? Because you got other things you're doing, right? So yeah, yeah. How do you how do you balance all that? Um, ideal writing day. Go running. Have breakfast. Write. Mm-hmm. Um, the re- more realistic uh, writing day is right when you can, like in the waiting room. Why mm-hmm. my um, Daughters having dance class. Hmm. Um, so you say you're an adjunct as yes, well. What are you yes. teaching? Theater. Theater. Okay. How does that? How did that sort of infuse itself into what you did here as a as an author? Well, actors have to research their characters. If it's mm-hmm. a period play, you've got to know about the time period, about your environment, and mm-hmm. so it's the same thing you do as a historical fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there is a there is a lot of theater actually in Spitfire. Livy goes to the notorious Gronkio. Yeah, one of the, one of the characters is is uh, is an actor. Right? Yes, yeah. right, and um, uh, which is a uh, infamous theater mm-hmm. in the Pigalle, which is a fairly notorious section of Paris. Right. And Livy herself kind of has a, a theater background. Her father was a circus performer. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in book two, there's even more uh, theater. So it's that's in the book in so, both books. So yeah. you know, authors have to decide. Okay, what am I going to write this book on? Right. So you could have chosen lots of topics. Yeah. Is it, were you drawn to this genre as as a child? I mean, is this and or how'd you come up with this? Yeah, I've always been interested in crime novels and spy thrillers. I mean. Uh, in 10th grade, I uh, had an English lit project, and I did it on The Big Sleep by Raven Chandler. Mm. Uh, I've read all of Ian Fleming's Bond novels um, at least twice. <laughs> um, and and you, you, told, you told me, I think, you went through two agents before you sold the book, right? And you, that's correct. And you actually wrote the second book before the first book that's was correct. sold, right? That's correct. Yeah, my first agent uh, sort of kind of encouraged me to write the second book, yeah. uh, but then felt he couldn't sell it because he had not sold the first uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm so the, the second book's out. I mean, it's it's getting close to. It's out in September, and uh, it's um, it's, yeah. you know, we're in the editing process right that's now. That's great. So where's Livy going next? Uh, Livy comes, thank God, to America. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's Washington D.C. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and uh, has a, um, I would say, probably more dangerous assignment than she does in Spitfire. Is Ian Fleming still involved? Oh yeah. Uh, is he yeah. going to be her handler, so to speak? For, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Ian Fleming has a, a slightly larger role even in the second book. Oh, good. Yeah, good. yeah. Right. So what is this, uh, what's writing this book sort of meant to you on your journey as a writer? Has it affected your life? What has it done? Just tell me about that. Yeah, well, having, uh, you know, I was alone at the house when the box of the first books came. And so I was sitting there, and I opened the box up and pulled it out and held it in my hand and looked through it and went, oh, my God, I wrote all of this. Uh, I hope no one reads it because I think it's terrible, you know, because you have this imposter syndrome. But, you know, since it's come out, I mean, it's been wonderful and surreal at the same time. No, I mean, you, you, you're, you're a good writer, and you, the pages move, and you've also got some plot twists, and— You've got the reversals, you know, it's kind of a hero's journey, right? Yes, so if you yeah. like that storyline, you know, which a lot of people do, I mean, if it works, use it, right? Right. Yeah. I and mean, this theater does that all the time, too. Yes. Right, yeah. Yes. So uh, so we're going to, this is going to be a series, right? we got Livy Nash coming back, yep. and uh, hopefully we'll see her in a third book and a fourth book, maybe. Fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed, okay. Well, um, Michael, it's been great visiting with you today. Uh, listeners, you can find out more about uh, Michael, in the show notes, um, you can pick up his book uh, pretty much anywhere. It's uh, it's called Spitfire. It's not a name that's hard to forget. It's also the uh, code name that the uh, Nazis gave to this very formidable spy known as Livy Nash, who just keeps on spying, right? Yes, she does. Yeah. Uh, it's her life. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written work. Landis will be back next Friday getting under the covers with another interesting author. But before then, coming on Tuesday, we'll have another long-form episode with readings and conversations about the written words and the writing life of a local or regional author. 
Landis loves helping authors give voice to their written words, but he can't do it alone. If you're inclined to help me help authors give voice to their written words, please consider becoming a member supporter. We'd love to have you as a member. And when you join at certain levels, we'll give you access to member-only content curated by the authors and me. Would you like to hear more from the authors? Perhaps a variety of presentations on writing craft, or additional readings, or tips on marketing and social media. Would you like some behind-the-scenes insights and reflections from me, or some edited content from previous episodes without interruptions? You can find out more about these member-only benefits and how to become a member supporter at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.